before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another Ludicrous Car Reviewer. I am back from my rather extended hiatus after, well, taking quite a lengthy family vacation. I usually try to split up my third season in that, which I'm now starting after these long breaks, because usually I have a couple weeks missing rather than trying to attempt to record a ridiculous amount of audio in a very short amount of time. With that in mind, I have a lot of news to catch up with, not only with myself personally, maybe even talking a little bit about my trip, but also a lot of news in the automotive world. So, without further ado, let us begin the news segment for you, because we have quite a bit of some, well, some crazy BS to get through, I should say, mostly through uh, some of the dumber car brands that at least exist today, mainly from, not surprisingly, General Motors. Let's begin, shall we? So, in news, as I've just discussed, there have been a lot of big developments that I've gone through. Some of them are a little ridiculous, other of them are, well, logical, and some are just plain insane. So, to start off with the more interesting news that I think are actually by far one of the more interesting things I've ever seen, and that is how a certain radar system is being developed for self-driving cars. This system, supposedly, is going to develop a system where it will literally be able to apparently see its way through solid objects, and apparently in order to detect pedestrians or potential cars. Honestly, it's called MIMO LIDAR, a multi-radar sensor that can only be detected by pedestrians up to 650 yards, and apparently can even see through buildings. Now, I am not a genius in the world of any kind of radar wavelengths. Apparently, they're deployed in some kind of 900 megahertz C-bands stuff or whatever. But the fact that they can see through stuff is actually rather remarkable. No offense, but some of the LiDAR systems I've had seen in cars are act a little wonky in that. So the fact that they can see through cars and pedestrians is actually rather brilliant. No offense, but I've seen my dad's driving as of late, and I don't think it would hurt him to have something like this in his car. Let's just say, while on our trip, he's had a couple of close calls, let's just say. So honestly, a lot of people are rather obstinate to self-driving cars, but if they can improve systems like this where you can see around a corner, believe me, just driving around in my little charger and that, believe me, I would love to have something that would tell me if a car's oncoming, if there's a bloody wall or a giant bush in the way in my state. It would be brilliant and I would love it. So some people may complain about self-driving cars and how they're going to ruin it, but personally, I can see the point behind this. I don't want to necessarily get into a point where you have to drive self-driving cars, but if they can develop systems like this that could be useful to me that I don't need to be as concerned I'd still want to look but because I don't trust systems entirely let's just say but the fact is I'd still want to see what this system could do and the fact that I could pick up pedestrians walking on corners I don't see or cars oncoming that are maybe blocked by blind spots it's actually a brilliant idea so personally I have to give credit to whoever's developing this because it is actually a brilliant concept that I think um honestly not a bad idea 
In other news, we have another car being announced. Apparently, ways down the road at this point, in 2026, the Scout plans to be re-released by Volkswagens. You know, that SUV-type-looking car? Apparently, it's going to be an EV, and while there's some very limited information on it, honestly, it's not the worst idea. Volkswagen has been struggling in a lot of different car markets and that, and a two-wheel type of uh, EV car might not actually be a good solution for them. Some renderings and some people have it putting more along the lines of the uh, pickup truck that was released, like the Maverick and that. Others are putting it more like a regular SUV style one kind of looks a little bit some of the renderings have a little close to Wagoneer personally I think they're going to go a completely different route than that um, but honestly the release in the Scout wouldn't be the worst idea it was one of the more popular cars by Volkswagen ever produced and uh, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea like I just said well, honestly, though, the big major problem is that when it comes to Volkswagens, I don't think many people picture big SUVs. So that'll be something down the road that we'll have to take a look at and see how well that actually does. Personally, I'm not super confident in their ability to produce something like that. But hey, who am I to say? Maybe they'll do a good, decent job on it. They definitely need it. That's for dang sure. And speaking of car announcements, GMC has announced its AT4X Edition 1. Apparently, it's supposed to set to come out a few years down the road. I'm not quite sure when exactly. They haven't exactly given a precise date for that. But the fact is that it has needed a long since refresh. Now, there has been some preliminary photos, and I pray to God they are not true. But let's just say, with optimism, that this might be a decent refurbishing of the uh, GMC Canyon, which by the way needed a long since refresh because let's face it, a lot of their off-road models for GMC are getting a little stale at this point. Well, a lot of their Silverados are getting stale. Now some of the renderings I have make this look hideous, let's just say. I pray to God they don't go with this, but apparently it's got a massive-ass front end and some kind of weird bumper system kind of merged together. I don't know, it, it looks a little weird. I don't know, like I said, I have to see how it looks. We've only gotten some kind of Click preliminary photos of it, but not too much in that, kind of like a half cut-off photo. But, I don't know. I, like I said, I personally, I'm a little leery of anything GM releases at this point, because you'll find out in a minute. But, honestly, it's maybe not the worst idea. I don't really have much too much to say about that, but, yeah, just another interesting car that might be coming out soon. But, in more important news, well, let's just say, um... Well, let's just get into the cars that are taking a dumper. Yep, we have a lot of recalls to get through because a lot of shit's been happening while I was away. First off, if you happen to own a 2022 or 2023 BMW iX or i4, well, let's just say, like the Bolt, you might want to park the bloody thing outside. Yep, like the Chevrolet Bolt, the car has a risk of bursting spontaneously into flame. Yep, the battery cell, once again, like the Chevy Bolt, is currently on fire on repeated occasions. Now, this is not the first time this has happened, as I just mentioned. So honestly, apparently 83 of these vehicles were affected um, by this recall. And uh, it's not exactly a huge deal, at least not yet. But honestly, it's beginning to point out a rather unfortunate situation with these type of cars. Important these the um, setting up battery electric vehicles to have a bit of a reputation for, well, spontaneously combusting. Unlike a gasoline car, which is the only spontaneous to combust is if you have to be driving the thing, these things just happen to burst into flame while for no random reason. Now, like I said, there wasn't many of these cars affected because, let's just face it, not many of them are out there, but the fact is that um, if you happen to own one of these 83 affected cars, you might want to park the thing outside. That's right, I said 83 vehicles. While it is a recall and while it is a big deal because, well, it's not a battery fire ridiculousness, the fact is it is only 83 vehicles. Why you need to issue a statement like this, I guess you have to because you don't want people's houses burning to the ground. But 83 just kind of shows how few of these vehicles actually sold because 
let's just say if you produce only 83 of these batteries to light 83 of these cars on fire, well, that just happens to be an awful coincidence. Normally, when they reduce recalls like this, normally it's in much larger numbers. So, honestly, I think it's a little insane that only 83 of these cars were produced with this defect, which either shows that A, they either have really weird manufacturing tactics where they only 83 of a batch is affected, or B, they just didn't sell a whole lot of the dang things. Personally, I want to go with the latter choice because I don't have looked at sales numbers, but let's just say I don't see a whole lot of these things driving around. Maybe because of the ridiculous looks, but the buckfruit front interior, exterior, I should say, the bucktooth exterior. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. Yes, yes. Anyways, but, uh, or the fact that it's got a crazy price tag on it. Either way, not many affected, only 83. If you happen to order 83, you might want to keep an eye out for that in the mail. Um, but until you're absolutely sure, maybe keep them outside for the time being. In other news, um, yeah, there's um, another vehicle that Toyota's been releasing recently that has been getting a lot of, well, backlash. Toyota's BZX4, or 4X, sorry, that is a wonky-ass name, has been some... Let's just say the wheels are falling off the cart for Toyota with this vehicle. Um, rather literally. You see, these cars have a nasty habit of having the vehicles just randomly sort of decide not to be part of the car anymore and decide to leave the car altogether. Yep, the wheels have been falling off the cars on these things and rather a few issues in that. Now, apparently the wheel hub is affected on these vehicles, but the problem is not necessarily with the fact that there's a problem. It's the fact that there's no solution to said problem. You see, Toyota has not had a solution at all and they are offering two solutions to the problem. No, not fixing it. You see, they're offering you a slight bonus and a loaner vehicle for the time being until a fix is found, which there isn't any yet, or a full buyback of the vehicle. However, there's one major concern that many Toyota owners have, and Toyota has not seemed to take into consideration. See, these vehicles were very hard to get a hold of, and as such, with the current ridiculous car market that is today, many dealerships offered a, um, well, a slight jack up on the rates of the vehicles meaning that if you do get take the buyback option from toyota you will not possibly get any of that money back which means you could be out three four five six in some cases even ten grand extra just paid into the dealership toyota hasn't really addressed these problems and it seems only that there's a couple thousand vehicles affected i don't think they actually will i think it's a little ridiculous and considering that toyota does not have too many recalls i suppose it's not horrible altogether but the fact is, it's still a major problem. On top of that, even if you take the option of the loaner vehicle on that, you don't know how long you're going to have that loaner vehicle. And for an owner that probably waited a very long time to get a hold of this car, it's um, a bit disappointing that you probably won't ever see it for quite a lengthy period of time. Again, there's no time frame for when this solution will be found or fixed. Or, personally, with the sales of the BX vehicle 4X thingy-majiggy, um... If it will ever be fixed, for that matter. Yeah, it'll be fixed, I'm just joking. But the fact is, is that it's a little ridiculous from Toyota. Now I get Toyota has a good reputation, a rather stellar reputation, of producing very high quality and very sturdy vehicles. But, honestly, this goes to show that when shit does go wrong, they maybe need to do a little better job of taking into consideration the current climate that the recall is happening in. But, that couldn't be, well, possibly any worse than another stupid move coming from GM. See, GM has a little rebate going on for their Chevy Bolt, and you see it's about a $5,000 rebate, a big rebate for the car, making it pretty dang cheap. However, there's one major problem with this car. You may recognize the Bolt name as being the car that last year had a lot of issues with the car bursting in the flame. We well, see this little rebate comes with a tiny itty bitty caveat. You see, you forfeit all legal rights with this $5,500 rebate to sue the car brand if anything bad were to happen in the car. In other words, if they produce a shitty battery and it bursts into flame, 
not their fault. If you happen to have a faulty self-driving system, not their fault. If you happen to have faulty sensors, not their fault. If you happen to do something stupid like the car's wheels fall off the car like Toyota, not their fault. Meaning you forfeit all legal rights to actually sue the company for doing something stupid. Which is basically like a uh, giant billboard for the car brand basically saying, yes, we're probably going to do something stupid with this car because we're covering our asses in case it happens. It's the dumbest, most ridiculous, most insane thing I think I've ever seen any car brand do. I mean, for frick's sake, to, to force somebody to forfeit rights to basically that they should have, well, technically, they'll probably find a way around it, most lawyers will, but the fact that they even tried something like this is completely asinine and completely stupid. It is by far the dumbest thing ever. It is a big concern, too, because if more automakers begin to follow this method and that, it could seriously reduce owners' ability to actually care for or possibly even produce any issues with the vehicle should they have any and honestly we'll probably stifle a lot of well customer satisfaction numbers and all that so it's i don't know i don't know how to say it. it's just it's got me my blood boiling and it's only gonna get worse as i go on with this new segment but gm my god what the hell is wrong with you idiots anyways um before I decide to blow my head gasket, because I'm going to do it a little later on, let's get on to the next bit. Get away from Toyota for a second here. Or to away from GM, but God. Anyways, Nissan. Nissan will announce the production, or end the production, of the Maxima in the next year. The upcoming EV Nissan will arrive in 2025 to replace this missing gap in their lineup. And personally, I don't think it's the worst thing ever. In the mid-2023, sales have fallen quite a bit, and Nissan only moved approximately 3,700 units on the Maxa in the first half of 2022, a rather abysmal number compared with the 78,000 Ultima sold over the same time period. Yeah, it's a dying car set, and, that, and not surprising that it's going to be replaced. So, not much to report with that, just a a move by Nissan that's kind of to be expected. If you're a Maxima owner, you're probably going to be your senior last year. Anyways, on to the dumbest, most ridiculous, most asinine stupidity that Jim hasn't done. Yes, even dumber than the last segment I just said. You see, a Chevy Corvette has been making some interesting choices with a mid-engine concept, a car that looks more like a European McLaren, but more importantly, the announcement that the Chevy Corvette will be probably coming to an electric system. But this isn't even the dumbest thing. While I think electric Corvettes are asinine beyond comprehension, that isn't the dumbest thing I've ever seen yet. You see, there are big rumors coming around, and honestly, Diem's practically confirmed it as true, that Chevrolet will receive an electric sedan coming in 2025. My frickin' Jesus. An electric frickin' sedan Corvette. What the hell is this world coming to? I kid thee not. This is by bar the dumbest piece of shit I have ever seen in my entire life. And honestly, I cannot describe it any further as that. It is just simply stupid. Corvette, the brand that is basically producing two-wheel drive bad race cars for over, I don't know, decades now at this point, and are on their third, eighth generation, are practically driving themselves off the freaking bridge. I don't know who the hell the general and GM president, whatever the hell that lady's name is, is thinking, but she's out of her goddamn gourd if she thinks this is going to go over well. It might sell a lot like the Mach-E did, but it's not a good freaking idea. I get the concept behind it because Porsche did something similar with their Kai, Taycan, Cayenne, I don't remember what the hell it's called, but they always produce two years cars. However, there's one major difference between the Porsche brand and the Corvette. Corvette has been known as the poor man's supercar, and as far as a supercar, they have produced Race cars that average average Joe can afford. GM does not need another freaking four-wheel drive SUV sedan in their freaking lineup. And top of that, 
you have to see, uh, there's also a major problem. Porsche, while being a good race car brand, it's been known for racing, they're also a freaking luxury brand. When you're rich, you own a Porsche. You don't own a Corvette. On top of that, you expect maybe the lady to drive the SUV because it's soccer practice. You don't need a freaking four-wheel, four-drive freaking Corvette. God bloody hell, what the heck is wrong with these idiots? Ah. Uh, uh, currently, they claim, though, and somewhat good news, that the current Corvette seat won't go fully electric yet, so they haven't completely pissed their own pants. But, damn, bloody hell, I don't know how to say about this. I apologize for all the cussing and swearing, but, good lord, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard any car maker do in my entire freaking life. As short as it has been yet, but honestly, GM seems to be surprising me every freaking day. With that, my friends, and that crazy insanity for an ending, I suppose we should finally end the new segment over that, well, rather abysmal news from GM. Once again, more abysmal news from General Motors. Why should I be shocked? Anyways, on with the real news, and on to the more personal news, shall we? So, as you all know, I took a vacation with my family, as I announced at the beginning of this episode, and we had a grand old time. We took about two weeks, went around Grand Canyon, Bryce, and all that stuff, and it was rather fun, honestly. It honestly also gave me a chance to kind of experience road tripping with my family again, which is something I haven't done in a year since COVID and that. We've gone on some small trips, but nothing really big like that. So, honestly, it also gave me a little experience to talk about uh, road tripping in a Ford Expedition. Yep, my family, while we are all grown-ass adults, we do still pile into the family roadster and take our little family trip across the country. It is something we honestly love to do, and we are a traveling family, so we take a lot of road trips in our time. And the expedition has basically done something that our former suburban could not. It provided a rather nice, fun, comfortable trip. You see, it's got great legroom, the car ride is rather smooth, I hear there are other cars a little smoother, but it's pretty dang good. And the overall gas mileage was pretty good, especially considering gas in some areas was $4 a bloody gallon. But honestly, for four for six adults piling into a car, it was actually a rather pleasant experience. To be honest, I wasn't expecting all that time to be great sometimes, because let's just say the Suburban we used to own was very cramped. So this thing was surprisingly roomy. We were able to fit everything in the back, and... Um, yeah, honestly, it was a good time. If you ever have a chance, honestly, my personal opinion, this is just me, myself. A lot of people take airplanes and get right to their destination or just hop on a cruise ship and sail the Caribbean. And while that does sound great and it does sound fun, honestly, there's nothing that just beats a good road trip. Just the ability to just drive where you want, to explore new things, to see the world around you, just free without any kind of appointments or airplane ticket times and stuff like that it's just a grand experience and honestly if given a chance if you have a family or even if just yourself take a road trip believe me you will not regret it i think a lot of americans have missed in the past few years is the great american road trip which i think has been lacking and while covid did unlock a bit of that as was we're watching drive through national through uh, yellowstone yes yellowstone is not completely closed you can still get through it they apparently, the year after COVID was over, yes, COVID's over. Anyways, but a year after COVID was over, they had announced, like, the most ridiculous spike in viewers. I think there was almost, like, a million or a million and a half more than normal. It was completely insane. But the fact is, is that it's still a good time to experience. Yeah, there may be a lot of people in some of those national parks, but surprisingly, this time it was empty. Um, but, yeah, again, if you happen to have a family or if you're just yourself, try taking a road trip. Believe me, I do not think you will regret it in the slightest. And also, your wallet, I don't think, will hurt you either. Anyways, in other personal news, 
I got some big news coming from my father's 68 Firebird, or rather I should say mine. Yes, my dad sold me a 68 Firebird, which had been sitting idle for seven years. And, yep, I took it to a garage, and after almost a month of working on it, they finally got the whole bat working. While she has her kinks still happening with her, and there's still a lot of problems, which I'll go into a little bit of detail, they did manage to fix quite a few things. So first they managed to fix the fuel hose, managed to get the compressor time working right. There's a problem with a knock in the cylinder, but we'll get to that in a minute. And overall they tuned the carburetor, got the car working right, replaced the starter and the battery cable and that. And finally the gold girl's firing up and ready to roll whenever she's ready to rock. Um, there are a few slight problems with the car, um, and I'll go into a little bit of detail of that. First off is the engine. The engine does need a rebuild, which is going to be about four grand at least, or four, three grand if you do it on the cheap side. Anyways, but uh, an engine rebuild is going to be a bit extensive. Um, the apparently air bearing on one of the pistons is a little loose, which is way down at the bottom of the piston cylinder, which means that the engine will again, like I said, need to be rebuilt. So basically what's happening is the there's a little control arm that locks onto the piston, and as the piston moves up and down, it's meant to rotate with it. Well, what's basically happening is this thing is a little loose, and probably the gaskets wearing down around it, causing the cylinder to rub against the cylinder wall, causing basically a lag in the engine, a little bit of a knock on the motor, and some overall just general sluggishness based on the low idle. Also on top of that, the transmission also probably needs to be rebuilt as well. When you pop open a transmission casing to replace the transmission oil and the filter as well, which you should do every lengthy period of time, when you spot little tiny metal pieces in your transmission, that's not a very good sign in the slightest. Apparently, they found little tiny pieces of clutch in there, which is very bad, especially for an automatic transmission. Now, if it was manual, you'd say, well, crud, I better replace that. You'd pop out the clutch and get a new one, but in an automatic... That ain't so simple and will probably require a full transmission rebuild. But all that out of the way, that'll probably cost me another seven grand down the road. But for right now, the girl, the old Firebird is up and operational. And I hope to record many of my works and experiences as I go along. But for now, I suppose that'll do it for today. I just appreciate you all listening to this podcast, and I do apologize for taking a couple weeks off, but as you can hopefully hear at the beginning of the episode, I've done a little bit of work on my podcast and on my mic as well to try to give a little bit more, well, make it louder for you all, because I've noticed some of my podcasts have been a little quiet. But, um, yeah, I appreciate you all listening. I hope to continue to maintain your listenership. I have been getting a lot more views, which I do appreciate you all. And I hope you all have a great day and a wonderful night. If you liked this episode, I would appreciate feedback. Have a great day and a wonderful night. Goodbye, my friends. Mm-hmm.